Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the host of the West Virginia Uncommonplace podcast, Mr. J.R. Sparrow. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I don't get to come back to very many shows because, you know, I do rare appearances. So thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> hey, man, listen, I had, first of all, I had to get you back on because I listened to your episode um, when you was talking about like uh, how you grew up, like rate, uh, being biracial, um, racism and stuff like that. Let me tell you, that was that was probably your most interesting episode for me personally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, the intent, if you don't mind me real quick, what that was, I wanted to tell a story that you don't hear and you don't see dramatized, you know, on TV or anything like that. So let me ask you, did you did you discuss this with anybody before you recorded it? No. Clearly off the cuff, uh, the way we have our setup now, um, I was actually the episode actually started on my Apple watch. I was I was talking into it because I was setting the mic up and I thought I was recording into the microphone. And obviously I hit the little voice recorder because I, I do it to to make sure I'm level and then I play it back. You know, you know how you do when you're doing your sound checks or stuff. And next thing you know, I just started going off the cuff and I just turned my wrist up and I just do the episode from my Apple Watch. Hmm. But how long? So the, the finished product we saw, well, not we, we saw, but we, okay, I listened to it. And I want to say it was like 18 minutes. Yeah, 18 minutes right off my wrist. Okay. How long, did you edit it or anything? Um, What I did was I used this uh, software called Podcastle. It's an artificial intelligent, um, like, audio editor all i did was run one thing through it to auto level it so it sounds like your show sounds right now that's all i did and the original copy sounded good but you could tell like it didn't have scratchiness to it but the audio levels was kind of up and down so you know if you make your voice go ah you could hear it uh, uh, really loud so i just auto leveled it and that's it when you recording that how how were you feeling recording because like that was like yeah we you the 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 topic was racism and you being a biracial man you just talked about your experiences growing up and what you experienced it i mean your experiences growing up and what you saw your perspective when you were recording it because you you talked you went back you had to go back to some childhood memories um you know school age what was the feeling like for you recording that episode um like it was like it was like the first time i'd ever went through to some type of therapy like it was it was like i took a lot of weight off my chest now one thing i do want to clarify i am completely i'm light-skinned but i am completely african-american the thing is is that inside my family like down a little ways because of the last name um being from virginia you know it was some slave house stuff going on we had white integrated into our family at some point but once we got three generations out which would have been where i'm at i consider myself completely black you know what that okay that's the that's the, really the most fascinating part about your episode because we can look at you and see you're a black man, but partially I want to say you grew up more around white people. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. I grew up in the suburbs of Rustburg in near the city of Lynchburg, Virginia. So that's a rural, it's rural, and then we have urban areas, but it's basically I grew up in suburbia. Okay. Was it so? Did you did you have any issues like identifying as a black man? Um, even to this day, I do. Like, um, I'll give you an example. For instance, with me, 
because people pay attention to color and we all know that uh-huh. they called me the usb hub because i could hook up with any race and you know with the way i look i can put pass off as puerto rican because i have curly hair um i can put pass off as you know maybe of arabic descent or something else so people never categorize me as black they kind of treated me like i was clear through like from kindergarten up until fourth grade then when i got in middle school that's when more racial overtimes and the rednecks came out and you learned about the subdivisions of race in class was that hard for you oh yeah it was hard because when i would like we'll talk about the culture like so for instance like when you listen to rap I could listen to rap and, you know, I didn't want to say nigga around white people or other people, but, you know, like I'll give an example. I was talking to somebody yesterday, the Nutty Professor soundtrack. Uh, it had a song on there with Jay-Z and Foxy Brown. Ain't no nigga like the one I got. So that was my first true time hearing that, uh, you know, hearing that expression. And, you know, cause it wasn't something that was said, you know, we, that was one thing that was like, in my community, we didn't have racism in elementary school. Everybody just played and they had fun. We didn't know that because you were this color, you were at a disadvantage, or because you had this color, you were at an advantage, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Which, because, you, because, because you're biracial, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Because you're biracial, does it make it easier or harder to talk about race? It actually makes it a whole lot easier in most circles because everybody's like, oh, um, because of my color, like because they say, you, you know, he's the mixed kid or he's biracial. Uh, he's easy going. Like how they treat Drake in rap music. Like they say he's real sensitive and stuff. But, you know, sometimes Drake acts silly and he, or he tries to act tough in certain situations. And then it's just kind of laughed at by black or white people. They're just like, oh, that's just Drake. He's he's acting a little emotional. Give him a unicorn, put him in a corner. So. I could flow through groups, you know, but I'll tell you where it got a little rocky. When I started playing sports, wrestling, as everybody knows, is the sport that I was really good at. But when I played basketball and soccer and I played playing football, it didn't matter. You, you know, they uh, categorized you either as a lineman or you was a fullback or running back just because of my stature. But playing soccer, that's when I started noticing race. Because how are you? How are you? Um, I was about nine or 10 years old because I noticed that they didn't think that I had the capacity. The The white coach didn't think I had the capacity to play defense. So he had me as a forward, which is just a forward motion that you do in soccer. So basically, like, I was basically a person you could kick the ball to because, you know, I could score. But when it came to defense, they didn't care because they had some strong people in the background, which in soccer, you got some, you know, different things going on. So that was the first time I noticed it. And then someone was like, you're really fast, but you only have one, you know, one forward speed. You don't have a backward speed to get back on defense. Uh So that was like the first time I really, really noticed it. Let me tell you why I asked you that question. Um, Does it make race easier or harder to talk about? In my mind, that could be because I'm not. I'm not white and I have no, you know, I'm like, I'm not biracial. The, re- the reason I'm always thinking it's easier for me personally is because I only see race from one perspective. Like I only have one perspective to go by. Whereas if I, if I was biracial, I would have two perspectives. I can look at it from like, hmm, well, you know, maybe they didn't mean it this way. And that could be the case. 
But right. when you, but when you when you when you're a black man or black woman, it's like you 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 just know you just can feel racism. You just know it. And I'm not saying trust me. I'm not saying you can't. It's just I always wonder if you're biracial, does it does it force you to because you have white relatives? Does it does it force you to to look at the other perspective? Yeah, yeah, it does force you because it's like this, right? For instance, like what I called it in the podcast, I talked about closeted racism. Like racism is not a white person calling me nigger or anything like that, saying it in that context. And I clearly said that, you know, putting the ER on it or putting the A, it don't matter what you say when you're white and you say that word, it's no place in any position for you to say it. But it was like this. When you had an event going on, like we'll just say like in Virginia, a birthday party. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a predominantly white area, they know that because of my skin tone, their parents think, oh, he's the harmless black kid. So let's bring him over so we can say our kid plays with a black kid. I didn't understand that racism until I was older. And then I didn't understand the other part of racism um, that, that I'll talk about real fast, too. When I became a teenager, it was always being included in things that had nothing but white people and just me. I didn't understand that that was racism right there. And in some instances, it wasn't. But what I'm saying is like, so for instance, if we had a student government, you knew old JR was going to be on there as the treasurer or the guard of arms or bearer of arms or something. He was going to have a vice president. He wasn't going to be president, but we were going to put him high enough up there so they could see, hey, we got a person of color being a part of something. Hmm. When did you start understanding? What age did you start understanding that was happening? Um. And I hate to say it, so I was a late bloomer, probably about eighth grade, almost going into my freshman year of high school. I really realized it when I was wrestling and I got pretty good. And the talks were, oh, he's going, you know, he's he's the next big, you know, black wrestler. Like we haven't had a good black wrestler in some time at my high school. And I was like, I'm just a wrestler. I, I don't care about my color. I'm just here to wrestle. It doesn't matter if I'm black. It doesn't matter if, you know, this or that. It's not a strength thing. It's not a difference in the guy that wrestled beside me, my backup in wrestling. He had the same composition as me, but he was white. He just couldn't beat me in the wrestle off to be the starting wrestler, you know? So that's when I, that's when it hit hard. And then it really hit hard when, you know, you get to the age and you want to start dating. And that is where the racism became really heavy is when I started dating. Mm. How so? And, and, it, and it played out like this. I loved I loved any shade of color. I, I looked for personality. So I might date a black girl, date, maybe date a white girl. I didn't care. But those good old boys, the rednecks, and then the black people I went to school with that were that considered me not to be urban enough to be black, when I would date a black girl, they would try to find some way to get her to break up with me. And in some cases they would, or if she liked my charm or like whatever razzle devil I had about you, about me. Cause you know, when we're young, we just try to be whoever. Um, I never changed up who I was. I'm still the same person I am today. Like I didn't, you know, the vernacular and how I speak, it turned the black girl away from me. They didn't like that. I enunciate and I pronounce things and, and don't let my English uh, flare up into some type of slang. Uh-huh. So they kind of shunned me. I mean, I dated a few girls, but then when you date a white girl, my best friend, you know, I had a best friend that was black, I had a best friend that was white. So between both of them, they would get racist with me. They'd be like, man, you shouldn't be dating our kind. Let us keep our kind. Y'all already got enough. <laughs> and then from the white people, and then on the black side, they was like, yo, you're not 
urban enough. Back then, we would have said the word hood. They was like, you're not hood enough. You stay in the suburbs. You, you, your family owns farms. Y'all got horses and stuff. Like, you, you're not one of us. So either way, I had both of these, both sides being like, you're neither one of us. You know, in the dating realm or, or however I was seated ninth, tenth grade. What what um what was the demographics where you grew up? The demographic was like this. Um, when I first where I where I lived in Amherst County, which was the little county outside of Lynchburg, um, it was nothing but rural black people, like you know mountain people in Virginia, like because I, I lived on the corner of Virginia where the mountains turned into the flatland. Mm-hmm. So we grew up country, like you know, I we didn't know no different. Like black and white people just integrated. We worked and did stuff together. Then when I moved to the city or the suburbs, I was one of the only three families that were black. And then behind where I lived, when you cut through the woods, there was a trailer park. And the trailer park was where I learned about interracial stuff because there were black and white couples. It was white on white, black on black, Haitian immigration, anything that you could think of was in the trailer park. So that's where I learned about culture, you know. So the people that lived outside of my suburban area, like, because we lived in like a, what you, like you would call a development. So outside of outside of my development, you know, it was whatever. But inside that development, the three black families competed against each other to see who was going to be the best at this. My sister was the drum major of the marching band. She was the best person in symphonic band. She was a genius with music. So she got a pass everywhere she went because everybody was like, oh, she's down with the music. So music is what bridges all races, supposedly. So she didn't have no flack from nobody. But me. I was a wrestler. I did all the alternate sports that not necessarily black people did. You know, I did play football for a little bit, but then I enjoyed soccer and wrestling. So those were two things I stuck with and sticking with them to kind of put a knife in my back with the African-American culture in that sense. So they was like, nah, he's white. We'll just pass him off. He's light skinned. He's white. Go about your business. What age? What age did you establish, like, really get comfortable with your identity? Like, black man, white, you know, black, you know, however you chose to identify. Because, I mean, look, let's be honest. When you biracial, yeah, you you may be a black man, like, skin tone and stuff like that. But really, it's more about culturally how you grew up that determines. I'm not going to say determines your race, but it, it will more determine how you identify with the races you deal with. All right. So like right at 18, you know, graduating high school, I decided that I was going to just take a narrow path and and just enjoy college and enjoy, you know, the people that enjoyed me. So at that time, black people really didn't want to be around me. They didn't accept me in the culture. I mean, if it was just like if I if it wasn't in my area, it was different because they were just like whatever. It was a norm everywhere else, you know, but in my little town or whatever, the black people was like. He's white, so we're just going to give him a pass and he's going to go about his business, but he better not come over here. Like, you know, when the parties would go on, when the cookouts was going on, I wasn't always invited to the cookout. I could go to the picnics. And that's another story for another day, but I couldn't always go to the cookouts. And, and the thing was, was that the only thing that was acceptable was that I could, I was an exceptional spades player. I still play spades. So if someone needed a spades player and I wasn't invited to a cookout, damn sure call good old JR and he can come on over and he can... <laughs> He can be the space player we need because we know that he's gonna run board or he's you know he ain't over Nick. So what what did that do to you mentally to not really because it, it doesn't sound like you was really accepted by either race. Um it made me clinch harder to the white race. 
because the thing was was that when i wasn't in my local area and i was somewhere else i was embraced like so when i was wrestling i started going over to west virginia more from virginia i went to west virginia and the people in west virginia it's stereotyped that they're racist and they're hillbillies and they date their cousins but those people over there showed me so much love they didn't worry about race all they worried about was the the the, the demeanor you had and, and how you carried yourself so going there and then going down to western part of north carolina it's kind of like all that little hub right there is kind of like the same people like we were talking earlier so being in them circles the black and white people in west virginia and in that western part of north carolina they were just they were just they won't if they had any closeted racism or anything going on they damn sure didn't show it so once i got in that mix i was just like i'm gonna be a clear person i'm not gonna be black or white but if i have to assimilate to somebody's idea i got enough culture that i can flip back between each like i could listen i could talk to somebody about garth brooks and then i could definitely talk to you about um black star most deaf tablet quality i could do all that because i immerse myself in both cultures mm. did you ever find yourself frustrated with being biracial oh yeah all the time because it was certain times that i just wanted like i'll give you a good example i wanted the camaraderie that you get with being black um because in my instance with white people i don't care where they are white people are good together in a base of a family but when it's like white friends and stuff like that, it's a lot of division. Things can break them up, social class and different things. But when, you know, when I seen my friends that were black and they were just with nothing but black people, everybody's getting along, you're roasting each other, you're doing things that, you know, it's fun. Like it, it, they had a safety blanket. And if something happened with black people to white people, you had a whole gang of black people that would tear into them white people, vice versa too. But it seemed like there was way more camaraderie with being black. Mm. Your father was black, right? Yes, and my mother. Say that again. My father and my mother were both black. They were, they were yeah, they were both they were both what they call high yellow. They were light skinned. So wait a minute, hold on. If your mother was black and your father was black, then you're not biracial, right? No, no, no. You gotta understand the the inside my family, like the grandparents. That's, that's what I said at the very beginning of your episode. Like I said, that's where it came from. When it, By the time it got to the generation where I'm at, I was, you know. Um, so, okay. Wow. This, this, this took an even more fascinating turn. So, your mom was, what, biracial? Yes. Your father was black. Yeah, but they were both light-skinned. They both were high yellow. So, you know, like... That's where it made the features, the curly hair. And, you know, I got the light exotic eyes and stuff. Well, not exotic, but they the emerald joints. So I look the part, you know. And I'm okay. So and I'm, and I'm biracial because of what got passed down. Okay, let's 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 go to your mother. Your mother, your your mother, her parents were who was black, her mom or her dad? Her mom. Her mom was black and her dad was white. Right. Okay. So what was your relationship like with the white grand the white side of your family? What was that? Non non-existent. Ooh. Okay. You gotta think, you gotta go back in. If I'm 37, that was the 50s and 60s and 70s. Racial integration, which what a lot of people don't realize is it didn't take a hard effect until the 70s. They always tell us in school that it was like 60s and all that stuff, but not until 
the the middle of the 80s, like when I was born, like 85, were things fully, like truly integrated and you still had racism then from what I was told from my mother and from my father. So did you did you have a good relationship with any no person in your family? Nah, we were shunned. Damn. Oof. But did that cause me to have hatred towards them? Nah. Um, I, I learned this about people a long time ago. Some people can't accept the choices that they make, you know. So so the reaction of my mom doing whatever she did, that chain reaction went back to her her father. So when it went back to her father, it was what it was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I don't slight them. I don't worry about that. They didn't shape or mold me, so they can't own anything now. Okay. Man, that's woo. That wow. I, that's and this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because we we don't. I don't even. Wow. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's not necessary because it is because there's a there's so much of the population that's biracial. Yeah, but it's a not, whole. Go ahead. It's a whole like if you pay attention to it in general, like. It's a thing that's taken over to a degree, and and it, and it gets funny because biracialness goes even crazier when you take. Let's I'll use a celebrity for instance. Like when you look at Steph Curry, right? Mm-hmm. You would think both Steph Curry's parents is white. One of them's white, one's black. Wait a minute, know, say that again. Say that again. Like like with Steph Curry, he like that's where like because he he looks like the race that's mixed, but you know he's not mixed. Both his yeah, parents, both his are, parents black. are black. Right, but he's got that high yellow color. If you didn't pay attention, you would think him and his brother Seth was mixed. Because mm. they got that waffle color. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so so a whole subgenre, you know, or even um just anybody like like that the whole mixed race, because you know, sometimes they come out with blonde hair and blue eyes and it's curly hair. And you don't know what chromosomes make them however, but that whole like from whatever happened from the eighties until now. That's the, it ain't a big portion of our population, but in a lot of circles, you see a lot of mixed people. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an area that they don't talk about and they don't talk about the racism inside uh, or the classism, as I like to say, um, that goes along with racism, which that was a terminology you, you uh, checked me on. Yeah. It, you know what? And, and never, and let me tell and I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and, and I don't want to use the word check because that, that sounds kind of negative. Not check, but you, you asked me about it. That's the best way. To yeah. Say it. Because, because we, because when you, because on the episode, you were saying that you was experiencing racism from black people. And I'm like, bro, I don't know if that's possible. Like, I don't think you now, I don't know if you can see it's, it. Man, this is so this is so interesting because I want to say well you can't experience racism from your own people, but usually so when you look at other cultures, right? And they yeah. they 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 experience racism. Like uh for right now, I'm just gonna use Puerto Ricans. You have right. you have port like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, you have lighter skin ones and you have darker skin ones. And those, those, they they tend to experience the darker ones tend to experience discrimination. But what you were talking about was like 
a, a, a black a black person discriminating against another black person like racism and i'm like man i don't know if that's the right term yeah well let me do it like this because you just explained the racism light skin and dark skin i know what happens in puerto rican culture but in our own culture of african-americans we created a divide of light skin to dark skin because they say that light skin has an easier advantage with education and with moving around with white people Correct to a degree, yeah. it's a stereotype that's out there. Okay, and they and they say that being darker, you have a harder struggle, you know, in certain areas like education and stuff like that. Which I don't believe that now. Back in back in you know back 30, 40 years ago, that could have been true. Mm-hmm. But the racism that is inside our own culture is this: because I chose the path that I chose in life, living in West Virginia, being with a white woman. Okay, and. I have a job that's a fairly decent job. I travel a lot. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And if your listeners don't know that, I do work for a company and they do have me everywhere, like Visa. And <laughs> and the thing is, is like when I approach certain people, like like uh, I'll give you an example. Someone like that's from, it don't happen in D.C. or Baltimore or like that. Like if I meet somebody that's from, what's a good place? Just anywhere that's that's a big city, metropolis area, you, any metropolis you name. Okay. And they they automatically tag they're like, oh, you're with a white woman. So that's a that's a that's a negative right there. You you didn't keep a black queen, um, or you didn't build with one. Right. Um, so that's that's a red flag right there for you. Your your accent, your little country. We can let that go because you're in West Virginia, Virginia in the southern part. So you're from rural area, so we'll let you be country, we'll let your accent speak a little bit to you to us. Um then the next one is that my vocabulary. Um, I speak one word that I say, this one word can cancel me in the black culture quicker than anything else. When I first said the word vernacular, <laughs> when I said vernacular, they were like, what, what do you say? What is vernacular? Not, not <laughs> out of not being educated, but when I say the word, I said, I have a great vernacular. When I say that I'm done killed automatically. Anything, anything that I possibly was going to do, I'm no longer doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let me, so let's, so let me, let me, let me say this. What you're describing is more in line with colorism. Mm. You, 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 are you, well, are you familiar with the term colorism? Oh yeah. I'm familiar with the colorism, but, but colorism, if you spin it, whoever decided to make light skin and dark skin, you can say colorism, but understand what I'm saying. Racism. They have, stereotypically put me in a, a pedigree of that because you're light-skinned you have all the advantages that a white person has and that's a stereotype that was given in my narrative because you're light-skinned you're gonna have it way easier than anybody else not because you worked hard and did this and that you're just gonna have it automatically because you're a country you're a rural cowboy and then white people will eat you up and, and spit you back out and let you do whatever you want as long as it fits into the confines of what they want you to be but you can't come over here in our territory, and um, like I can't put a do rag on. If I put a do rag on, that when I was in school, they, you know, I had braids and stuff. So they was <laughs> they pulled a do rag off my head. They like you can't wear this. You need you need something silky fine or something. You know, you don't you don't need this polyester blend. You need something silky. Yeah, that you got that good hair. That's that's the that was the first racist term from a black person. You know, one of the things, and then actually the part about the moon cricket. Um, that's what I said in my episode when I was younger. You know. The first bit of racism I ever heard, in my opinion, because you can say colorism, and I and I can agree with 
one end the same, but the where we're going to differentiate it is that someone made that kid that the, the darker complexed guy uh sectionalized me as a moon cricket uh i light up at night so that's why they called me a moon cricket I didn't uh, know okay because i had no idea what the term was i'm glad you explained it yeah so so they were saying i was high yellow or the most famous terminology is light bright damn near white so um being told that they're taking my black away from me and saying i'm white so do you see the racism there now I mean, I can see where you're saying colors, uh, but they're saying that I'm not black. They're saying I'm white. So they're picking me. Oh, yeah, that's okay. See, we got see, we gotta we gotta be clear about what racism is. Racism is like when your race affords you privileges. Now, just because a black person is telling you, "Oh, your your life is going to be easier," we both know that's not true. But but let me say this though. So let's spin it real quick. Okay. Um, just the noun version of it: prejudice, discrimination, or an antagonism by an individual, community, or institution against a person or a people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. So, so if you take the Webster Dictionary version, we just going to use that. What I said is correct because it's someone. It doesn't matter about you know, the stature of both spoke being black, but they took me from being black and made me white. They decided that I was not part of that race. Hmm. They discriminated on me. They said they put a prejudice that, oh, because of this and that, you're no longer black. You're now, what term, what term was that you read again? What time this was is that? this is from the Webster Dictionary. This is from no, 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 what was the word? What was the word? That was racism. racism. That was ra- racism as a noun. Okay, okay. So like with that one, I always have been very definitive on that one because um, another scenario inside racism is that there's a belief that different races have different characteristics that make them who they are. So the first thing that white people want to do is say that we got big noses. Um, and that's not, that's, that's very stereotypical. That's something racist. So then being light-skinned and I got the good hair, the comment that I get from a person darker than me is, oh, you got that good hair. You must got some white somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you see what I'm saying? Like, and I could get colorism too. I can go with that one too, but they both tie hand in hand. But colorism is prejudice and discrimination against an individual with a darker skin tone, typically, typically among people of the same ethnic and racial groups. So I can see where you get that. Mm-hmm. Colorism within our race is something that, you, you know, let, let, let's spin it and say you're right. Maybe I did kind of mix it up, but I, I feel that it was racism. Okay, that's fair. That's we fair. can go with both of them, yeah. That's fair. Because, see, and, and this is, and ironically, because we're having this conversation, let me sum it up this way. Where we grow up determines what term we'll use. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah. because of the, I'm, I grew up in Capitol Heights. That's Capitol Heights, like, 95% black. So, well, it was. It's kind of changing now. But yeah, gentrification is has torn up our, our world. Well, but there's more, but there's actually more Hispanics coming to. Oh. Yeah. It's more Hispanics. They're coming out of Manassas. I, I don't know where they're coming from, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. But yeah. Because I grew up in a pretty much an all-black neighborhood, I've only grown up around black people. I've seen colorism firsthand. 
where you know you the for um, the the best the best the most common one that, that I've seen is with women with lighter skin. Oh, because she likes skin, she's stuck up. You know, yeah, yeah. They get that one a lot. That's the colorism I've seen the most. Or or or, or with a man, with with a, with a man that's light skin, a darker skin man automatically assumes that oh he's soft, he's acting light skin. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> so, so those are the familiar. Those those are the ones I'm familiar with. Now racism, no. In the in the in the reason I could say definitively no on racism is because I know for a fact that a light skinned black man has no no different privileges than I have. He just doesn't. Not when it comes to dealing with. The reality is we're both, a, me being a dark-skinned man and a light-skinned man, we're both battling the white supremacy system. So <laughs> neither one of us are getting any benefits from it. Okay, yeah, and I can agree with that. And then where I'm from, they're going to see me as, oh, he gets advancements. This, that's why he's in the honors classes. That's why he's doing the AP stuff. That's why he got the job with such and such company over one of us, because we ain't going to get that job. So you see, like I said, like you said, it correlates because where I'm from, they're going to consider me getting all the white advantages. Like I'm going to be the one that's going to get invited to this and that, or I'm going to be the one that can sit at the table with the white people yeah. in, in business and stuff. You, this is some, there's something really interesting to me, a little controversial, but I do want to talk about it. You you you've made for the most part you've mainly dated and married white women, correct? Correct. Did it bother you that you? Because really, judging by what you're saying, it doesn't feel like you've ever really been. It doesn't feel like you've ever really been able to identify with black women. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. But I'll say it like this: when I was single for a little bit of time, I dated all races. Um. And the thing where that complicated things for me here is I'm in West Virginia. There's 1.5, 1.8 million people. So take a small percentage and say, we got 90% white people here and then everything else is different races. Mm -hmm. So the selection here, if you're not a transplant, like if you didn't come from Maryland or uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, or Kentucky or Virginia, might not find very many black women here. Mm -hmm. And if they are here, they're here for education. And they're, you know, when they're here for the education, they get the education and leave. Hmm. Okay. That's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like, I mean, because me personally, like, it, 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 again, this this is just a difference of growing up, like where we grew up. Like, I personally couldn't imagine being with a white woman <laughs> because I <laughs> I didn't grow up around them. Like, right? Probably knew maybe like 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 really knew maybe like growing up maybe like. Five white white at that time they were girls, white girls. Yeah. And then as I got older and started, you know, going into the military and the workforce and all that stuff, I started to meet more white women. But one, I was married, and two, I was already, I was already programmed to own I'm not even gonna say only identify only date black women because the reality is. That's who I. That's who I identify with more is black women. Okay, so let me let me give you a quick little bit, right? So okay. I'm gonna use pop pop culture real quick. So okay. when I was growing up, there was a on ABC there was this thing called uh, what was it TGI Friday, right? Yeah, yeah, I know about that. So, so TGI Friday at some point it had a show called you know Family Matters, and then it had Boy Meets World, right? 
So yeah. so Boy Meets World had Topanga, and then Laura was my thing on um, Family Matters. So I like both of them equally. You know, I felt like I could date either one. I found both of them attractive. And then when Urkel got with the other girl that had the little fatty and everything else, I forgot her name, but Myra. the one, Myra. yeah, Myra. Ooh, Myra took me for for a ride. So I, I went out. <laughs> I went out and found a girl that looked just like her, kind of like her. You know, it might have been the Kmart version of her, but whatever. Um, so I hollered at her, you know, and then later on I found a girl that looked like Topanga, and you know that was my thing then. So with me, it was never. If, if I had a state in Virginia or if I had a state in, you know, had went up and lived with my aunt in Maryland or state somewhere like that, I probably wouldn't be with white women. But because of the selections and life that I made in the places that I was at, you know, it was white women that was there. And then the black women that were there, they were even taken or like it was something about me that kept me from them. I'm not saying that I didn't like them because I love every I'm not. Oh, let me be careful. But <laughs> let me say this all. I like I, I like women. I don't care about the color. You know, right. that's one thing I'll put out there for the record. Like, if you got a good personality, it is what it is. But this ain't a dating show. So we'll just leave it at that. But that comparison of, or that idea of Topanga and Laura, those were my women growing up. Those were my crushes. And, and a real ironic thing that messed me up is my first real crush was this white lady named Delta Burke. I heard and, of that. But I, I yeah, she, she was on a show called Designing Women when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she was something about her now. Nowadays, not. Nah. And in the 90s, not. Nah. But when I was younger, you know, it was something about her. No, she's she about, she about 70 years old now. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Only, yeah, she, she, <laughs> she, 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 she looked like a Teletubby now. <laughs> but but, it, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, that that was my major first crush. And then after that, it was somebody crazy. And this goes back to the Boomerang soundtrack. Tony Braxton, all my life, has had a way with me. If Tony Braxton were to appear right now, I'm leaving. <laughs> so or any of her sisters except that one has got too much lip uh, uh to, okay. to one tomorrow like to, I think that's her name tomorrow that, tamar. Her, tamar. tamar yeah tamar i couldn't she can do her own business but the rest of them you give me the braxton's whew. but like <laughs> i said so you know it, it and that's ironic coming from me because you would never even think that no i wouldn't have and you wouldn't even think that uh tony braxton's first album was one of my favorite albums and, and i tell everybody this is something funny um, a lot of people don't realize this. If you go back and listen to the first Nutty Professor soundtrack, right? That was my favorite album growing up. And I know that's a, a spin because you're thinking about it. What was it on there that, that got me? It was Case. He the Jigger song. So. Yeah, that, but it was Touch Me, Tease Me too with Case, Mary J. Uh -huh. Blige okay. and Foxy okay. Brown. Okay. You know, it was weird that I was always into some deep R&B and, and some obscure rap because that that song by jay-z you know that, it wasn't probably his best song but it was the one i grew up with i used to sing it all the time not in every place though of course not <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me ask you this because because i i want to i, I want to end it with this today um being jr sparrow today at this moment are you finally comfortable with who you like like racially Culturally, are you comfortable with who you are as a man now? Um, and the answer to that is no. I struggle with it daily. Wow. And I struggle with it because where I live, like I decided to stay in Appalachia. I lived in a place where your standard of living is low and you can afford where you want to live. You can own property and you can you can have a lot in West Virginia. A lot of people sleep on it, but 
you can work out of state, make your money and come back here and live and be peaceful. So in staying here, I am in predominantly white areas, no matter where I go, even if you go into big cities and stuff, you know, we have athletes anywhere. That's one thing I do want to say about America. Like I went to Wisconsin for instance, and I went to Minnesota. There's more racism in those places than there is West Virginia. Um, so, so yeah, I struggle with it because I, like, it's not that I look for the acceptance cause I'm happy with everything I have in life, but it's like, it's sometimes that I just want to be like, man, I want to be able to relate to this circle. Wow. And every time I get entangled in certain things in, in our culture, it always ends in some kind of feud. Like, it's like, I'm a professional wrestler or something. Like I can't, when I, when I want to have camaraderie, some people that I just jail with, like me and you, we got a collective. So, you know, it vibes. Mm-hmm. But other people were cool for a little bit, but then they find something that they don't like or something, what I call an idiosyncrasy happens, you know, they find it's, you know, something along that level. And then they get to the point where like, man, JR can't come around no more. JR is not part of our persuasion. So we need to buck up or either. I feel like I'm not part of the persuasion and I'm the butt of the jokes because mm-hmm. I live in West Virginia and I'm a rural cowboy as I've been told, or I got crossbows and other stuff like that. So I have, I struggle with that sometimes, but then I realize that I'm surrounded by people that enjoy me. People like what I do. And if you don't like what I do, I'm a, and I'm a novelty act to you. That's fine too, because you are just missing out on a good person. So I'm old enough and wise enough to know that not everybody, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and not everybody should be around me when I shouldn't be around everybody. So in learning that, I just, it's like, I really want to have more African centric stuff, African-American centric stuff going on with me. but because of my issues of putting a pause button on certain things sometimes and colliding and stuff, I don't like confrontation. And for some reason, all my life, that's what it ends up when I get into a bigger collective of African-American males, you know? So I just, I just stay away from that. Well, listen, man. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And and, and not that I add any more white people to it. I just, you know, I just, I'm cautious. I know, when the uh, waves and the tides are going a different way for me. So I just move along. Man, listen, I really thank you for doing this. Like, again, the episode is a great episode um, for those listening to this. I highly recommend listening to it. Um, his podcast is West Virginia Uncommonplace. Uh, what, 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 what was the release date? Uh, let me get the release date real quick. It'll just take two seconds. But can I speak on one thing, though? Yeah, um, I do want people, I want them to definitely listen to that episode. But my my bread and butter episode that I want people to check out is I covered a really racist movie called The Song of the South. Hmm. Um, to me, that's my crown jewel episode episodes because Disney really did us dirt. Uh, and, or did everybody dirty, dirty with that. And they hit it. They got rid of Splash Mountain. Um that episode came out April 19th. It's called breaking barriers, overcoming inclusion, racism, and microaggressions. Okay. And you can pick it up anywhere that you listen to episode. I mean, listen to podcasts, you know? Okay. I'm going to check that one out too. The, the song, would you call it songs? What songs? Song of the South. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, to get everybody in, into it. You remember the song? Zippity doo da zippity day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the movie that's inspired. That is from, and the story of that, if you want me to send you a copy of the movie, let me know. Because the movie Disney never released on video in the United States. Uh, and we had to get permission. I mean, we had to go through some hoops to get permission to do what we did. So I covered it in two different versions. I did a version with just me. And then I did a black and white version where I had 
Stacy, which, you know, that's my lady. I had her on and she gave her take on it in the way that, you know, she didn't take it from a racism point, but she learned about stereotypes that you wouldn't have heard about, you know, because, mm. you know, we don't hear things about Jigaboo and different things like that. Now, all that stuff is, you know, that bamboozled stuff. We It doesn't come up unless you're in a deep, deep south. Yeah. Like I said, man, I really thank you for doing this because, I mean, you were really transparent on that episode and, and you were also transparent on my episode. And I know this could be a tough topic to talk about because you have to bring up some memories. So I really appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you. Oh, yeah, always. Oh, before we end, please tell the people like how they can follow you, how they can listen to your podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Go directly over to Instagram or you can go over to pod page um, slash West Virginia Commonplace. There's a on Instagram. There's a link tree. You can find whatever pod chaser you use to listen to uh, podcasts. Or if you want to get involved in anything else that we got going on, going over to the website, just hit that link tree in the bio and you can find whatever you want. All right. Again, man, thank you for doing this. And I wish you always. all the best. Thank you. All right. I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lant. My Facebook is also conversations with Lant. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.